Hello and welcome back to the Public Sector Heroes podcast, where we tell stories about folks who are doing awesome things in government contracting and beyond. We have a very special guest today, and I'm excited because this is uh, one of the times where we actually have a, a true hero on the podcast, uh, Dave Harden. Uh, welcome. We appreciate it. Now, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, Frank. Thanks so much uh, for the uh, invite today. Excited to be on the podcast. Uh, I guess we'll keep it kind of simple to start off with as a C-17 pilot. Um, so flew big airplanes, got to do really cool missions around the world, about 5,000 hours, 500 combat hours. Um, then went off into the reserves and civilian life, uh, learned a lot about business from uh, raising money for big companies, did a lot of stuff in the oil industry, Shell, Halliburton, BP. Um, and so um, just got to do really cool things, leading uh, nonprofits, running companies, and coming back into the DOD thesis at the Pentagon. Um, it was supposed to be 30 days, turned into three and a half years. Um, got to facilitate all the four stars in the Air Force, uh, learned a lot about decision-making, and uh, was really fortunate to be early on in an innovation movement um, and help kind of build from the ground up uh, the Air Force's innovation arm, uh, which is known as AFWorks today. So we were able to close uh, $50 million inside the government and launch that uh, to really um, inspire a, a cultural movement of change nice. um, and one where we could get um, innovation done, deals done for the warfighters. So moved on from there and now uh, C CEO and founder of uh, The Outpost, um, helping companies hop the valley of death. Fantastic. That's an amazing story. We've got a lot to unpack there. We're, we're big fans here at Public Spend Forum and GovShop of AFWorks. And so I want to hear a little bit more about that. But first, uh, for the uninitiated, the C-17, what is that? A, is that a big plane, small plane? What's, what's the deal there? What kind of aircraft? Yeah, it really came on as a, a next generation airlifter. And so I'm going to date myself now because I was one of the first lieutenants in the C-17. Um, now it's been around the block a little bit, but um, no, what's really cool about it, it's the only big aircraft with a stick. It's got a heads up display, fly by, fly by wire, um, and it's got really big tires, big brakes. So you can do really cool stuff with it, uh, land on small strips uh, 90 feet wide and stop really quickly. So if you've ever seen a 500,000 plus pound aircraft stop at 1,500 feet, um, it's pretty impressive. So, um, you know, you put on some night vision goggles and uh, I've had the fortune of fortune and unfortunate as it is uh, in being involved in a lot of different conflicts and seeing a ton of things around the world. But uh, the mission is so vast. Um, it's really cool from, you know, bringing in special operators and tanks uh, to lead the northern front in Iraq mm -hmm. uh, to, um, you know, flying by, you know, Mount Everest um, and seeing the peak at 29,000 feet in your heads up display. Did you see the traffic jam? Because I hear there's a lot of traffic jams on, on Mount Everest these days. I don't know how close yeah. you got. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of leftover oxygen bottles. Yeah, right, this, right. Uh, yeah, that's the deal. Well, um, you know, it's unique when, when we talk to people that, you know, not only want to improve the way government buys and builds technologies, but who've, who've used them firsthand. So I'm curious if, if your experiences, you know, flying the C-17 and working with that technology informed kind of your vision for, for AFWorks, because you, you actually built AFWorks. I mean, you're the architect of that. 
Yeah, that's the, that's correct. So, uh, yeah, totally inspired to make a change, both of my uh, business background as well as my military background. And, you know, it started with, uh, you know, flying C-17s. Um, you know, part of what we did, unfortunately, is bring back human remains, right? And so uh, you see, you know, uh, you stand there at attention um, and you fly back uh, to people's loved ones, a casket with a flag draped on it. Um, and it changes your perspective on, on the world and, and what it means for our national security and for us to get technology quicker to the front lines. And so um, I think early on, that was a deep passion for trying to move the needle on that. And I was fortunate in circumstances coming together correctly and my background correctly to help, you know, really, uh, uh, you know, build the framework, but then also recruit and find you know, some great early innovators and adopters who were interested in making that change too, but hadn't poked their head out, right? Because culturally, the bureaucracy kind of, you know, uh, cut you off at the kneecaps, so to speak. And so people were doing great stuff, but they didn't want to come out in the open, so to speak. And so we were able to kind of drive a new cultural change uh, to bring really, uh, you know, smart people, uh, had some great young captains that we brought on, um, some great innovators uh, from a, you know, across the service uh, that were really key initial talent to uh, help grow uh, AFWorks into what it is today. Dave, what do, you, what do you think it is about the bureaucracy that keeps innovators from trying new things, uh, advancing the, the science? What, you know, what is it and how do you, how do you solve that? Yeah, well, it really does start with that culture thing, right? Because um, I, I have a picture, it has a big, like, giant, like, uh, uh, a block of ice, right? It has the generals on top trying to pick through the ice, and has the airmen below it, like, holding up the ice, right? Hmm. And so that ice is people got promoted by not taking risk, right, for a, right. For a lot of years. And so why do I want to risk taking on a project, right? This you know, this might, uh, it might ruin my career. Someone might think my idea is dumb, right? My, someone might write all these reasons that people conjugate in their mind. Um, and then we create this quote unquote competitive um, contracting process, but all it does is serve, you know, these, these long, you know, three, four year processes. And so you wind up uh, even in the C-17, you know, once you have something that's in the C-17, Man, that sucker is five, ten years old, right? Someone, some, someone dreamed of it ten years ago before sure. it went through the wickets to actually get on the aircraft, right? And that's just not acceptable in today's day and age. And that's why, you know, we're seeing you know Russia and China starting to eat our bacon mm. um, because you know we just have the wrong, uh, you know, culture, uh, culture and approach. This was really highlighted for me on uh, when we ran the Shark Tank. So okay. we started a Shark Tank for the Air Force called Spark Tank. And, uh, you know, we started off, uh, it was a little cheesy at the beginning, but it kind of caught on and we had really cool folks, you know, we had Mark Cuban, George Steinbrenner's judges. Oh, wow. um, so it was legit. I think the second one, we had 500,000 live viewers. This is on like AFA.org, right? Not a highly trafficked website, right? Or, or we had, um, you know, the first one, the first winner, um, we actually got that innovation on 440 aircraft across the fleet within 18 months. So that was from winning idea to actual implementation in the field. And those are the types of things that help you avoid what I call innovation theater. Yeah. And it was interesting because at that, you know, at that kind of like 
you know, Spark Tank, right? And you have this big stage. You got 3,000 people in the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the Secretary of the Air Force, Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force, right? All the key decision makers, right? So it was interesting. The guy, the guy who wound up winning, you know, he got up there and after he went through it, you know, the leadership's kind of like, well, why didn't you take the next step, right? Like, why did it take a forum like this to get your idea to action, right? And he said, well, the SPO sent me a cease and desist letter, right? So this is like a master sergeant's got a great idea and then gets like a cease and desist letter from the SPO, right? What? And, and so then the Secretary of the Air Force is like, hey, um, uh, what's the SPO's name? Oh, no. Right? Live stream TV, right? Like 3,000, you know, audience, right? And so, and that happened with some of the big primes. There was another one where uh, the innovation saved like an hour turn time on every F-16 as it went through like uh, its maintenance turn, right? And so they asked the same thing. Hey, how come you haven't driven this to the next step? And they're like, well, uh, I won't name it on the podcast, right? But large prime subcontractor wouldn't let us plug in our power. Okay. For this platform we developed. And so then all, the, all of a sudden, you know, the Secretary of the Air Force is like, well, is anyone from management at this company? Oh, boy. And all of a sudden now, you've shifted that culture, right? Now we had this forum where now people were getting called out for saying no. See, right. that, hadn't, that hadn't happened before, right? And what we saw is in the subsequent spark tanks, now people, you know, top SESs, people in acquisition were showing up with their cards and where people were up there were spark tank and they had uh, roadblocks. Now they were coming up the stage with a car and said, Hey, call me. I'll help solve this for you. Amazing. Right. But, but, but that was a demonstration of that cultural shift that had to take place because now you had to provide scrutiny to say, you know what? We're not going to tolerate saying no, we're not going to tolerate not taking risk. Right. And start calling those people out. And that hadn't been done before. It was just kind of, below the surface. And so those types of things in the bureaucracy is what winds up killing, you know, inspired airmen, great ideas and creativity. You know, I, I, I think it's, it's not that, you know, the public sector or the government doesn't want the technology, doesn't want the innovation, but I think a lot of times they don't quite recognize where the friction points are. So it sounds like this, this uh, spark tank really shined a light on some of the areas of, of, potential improvement. Now, are those being institutionalized? Are those being put into practice? Or is it still one-off sort of, uh, you know, putting out fires? Yeah, I would say it's a mix, you know. Um, you know, you, you always want to think you move the needle more than you did, right? So uh, for all the progress, I think there's, you know, you still, uh, you know, transition is tough, right? The culture is tough. Um, you're still seeing, you um, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of crackdown on, on people that took risks, right? So, you know, backlash on, you know, oh, you didn't do this thing right. You know, you weren't supposed to talk to this company, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, the people are just out there trying to do their best, right? But we've created these long list of rules and, oh, you know, uh, oh, you've tripped I, on, you know, paragraph two, right. decimal four, <laughs> That's, right? And then people are like, you know, you know screw it. You know, I'm not going to keep you know, pay me my paycheck. I'm not going to keep taking it's hard uh, in order effort to, you know, get something across the finish line. You totally. Know? I mean, you make it so, you put so many barriers in, in front of the innovator, uh, the people that want to get good things done. It's a, it's a disincentive. And uh, you've talked a little bit about, and, and before we 
before we went live about protecting innovators and helping them get out of that innovator's closet. Um, tell me more about that. Yeah, well, like it, like anything, I think if you can create action, right? First of all, you got to believe in your vision and then you got to be willing to take action. And a lot of people get stuck in that action part, mm -hmm. but keep iterating, right? Keep taking the action. And then what that starts to reveal is if you can create results, right? Because what happens in a lot of these innovation activities is what I call innovation theater. Right. And you, and you got to avoid, avoid that innovation theater. So that just have, like lip service or just, you know, no, it's like events. Hey, we have a, we have a tech day show, right? So yeah, yeah. here's these technologies. Great. What the hell are we going to do with them? Right. But then the organization feels better because they did this tech day and, you know, we're, we're looking at different stuff, but there's no meat behind it. Right. I mean, the companies need money. They need contracts. Right. Otherwise, they're not going to keep playing in the ecosystem. So the people you have playing in the ecosystem aren't the innovators that you want at the table solving tough government problems, bringing the latest commercial technology to the table. Mm -hmm. Right. And so so the key is how do you start to create a culture where you're taking action, you're getting results, you're doing real things, delivering uh, prototypes, uh, iterating on those, um, getting real contracts done, getting getting money to the company so they can further develop the product. And if you're not doing that, then then what are you doing? Right. You're creating a process. You're having a nice little you know trade show. You know that's all good, but it's just window dressing, right? And so uh, so uh, I had a rule um, when we first started launching some of our events uh, at AppWorks, and it was a five X rule, right? And my 5X rule was if you spend money on an event, you have to put at least five times that amount of money on the ground in projects. Phenomenal. Right? So if you spend 500,000 bucks doing a you know, trade show, an association, a pitch day, whatever it is, you had to put two and a half million dollars into projects within 30 days with the companies that were there, or uh, we canceled the event. Now, would that come from uh, appropriated funds or is that working capital or other like, you know, cyber type innovation funding? Is it all over the place? I, th I think it comes through all kinds of stuff, right? If it was themed, it could come from a sponsoring organization. Like at one time we had a, a microelectronics challenge. Mm -hmm. We actually had a hundred million dollars behind that, right? Nice. Um, we did a next generation helmet challenge. Um, I think we had $20 million behind that. So people get tripped up. Sometimes they get the quarter million dollars to go run the event but they don't think, hey, how are we gonna get this done behind that? And that can be through multiple channels, right? You can have, you know, not to throw out contracting lingo, but I think everyone probably on this podcast is familiar, you know, whether it's OTs or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you set up a, you know, CSO process to try to go do a mini IDIQ, you know, you, you leverage the cyber system, um, you know, there's different ways now to get after it, um, each one having its own kind of unique pros and cons, but, um, you know, to, to your earlier point, um, I think if you can, if you can create an environment, you're going to attract that talent, yes. right? And you're going to get people willing to take risks to say, hey, I want to come do this because they actually get something done. It's not just innovation theater. Phenomenal. So, so you, you build AFWorks, you provide that, that top cover, you're encouraging innovation and adoption and breaking down barriers. Now you're at the outpost. Tell us a little bit about, about what your mission is there and uh, how you help people. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's a great question. And um, Frank, thanks for asking. I guess 
that passion just continues on mm-hmm. uh, kind of the mission continues, if you will, right. Um, at the outpost, right. How do we on the commercial side now um, help companies? Uh, we call it painting technology blue or green, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how do you, you know, how do you get a sandbox environment set up or get them attached to classified data when they don't know how to do that, but it's necessary for them to take the next step to go solve a government problem. And so, um, you know, we have really cool tech, um, avatar robotics, AI, um, and, uh, you know, uh, we have one company, uh, they do all the moving for Amazon, right? So oh, Amazon wow. says, hey, here's 7,000 bucks in an app, go move, right? And so we're like, hey, why can't we do that in the DOD, <laughs> right? Like, you know, transform the way we do ditties and partial ditty moves would be really cool. So those are the types of things we think about um, as we look at it, you know, we have uh, Andretti Racing Technologies as a client, right? So, oh, cool. you know, wouldn't it be cool if we can like take a pit crew mentality mm-hmm. to maintenance on an F-16, mm-hmm. right? Or, or maintenance on a, a KC-135 where boom, the plane lands, you have everything organized, everything just in time, right? And think about the time and money savings that that kind of approach um, uh, and can have in terms of impact, mission impact, in uh, our ability to, to do national security. So those are the types of things we get involved with. Um, we're also getting ready to launch a, a venture capital arm of the Outpost called Outpost Ventures okay. as investment capital into this uh, dual use uh, tech thesis. Um, and so it's, uh, you know, I think it's an exciting time. It's an exciting time to be an innovator. It's an exciting time to be a, you know, company trying to get after stuff and looking at both the commercial markets and uh, DOD. You know, you've seen a lot of organizations, AFWorks, NavalX, uh, DIU, um, you know, a lot of organizations are, are starting to push the needle towards um, getting this, uh, this uh, culture changed mm-hmm. and getting one in which we can look at more technology and get that technology not only uh, looked at, but actually adopted, integrated, and transitioned into uh, larger programs. Phenomenal, isn't it? It's uh, it's January 2021. It's a new year. Um, new year. New year, new us, Frank. That's Where do we deal. see <laughs> the opportunities for innovation going? Um, what is your outlook for the next four to five years? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I kind of put it into t- two buckets. Um, and uh, I'll kind of go back to that, you know, ice, ice block I kind of talked about. Uh, sometimes people talk across each other when I talk about innovation. So you have the generals will talk about innovation and you'll have the airmen and the soldiers talk about innovation. Yep. When the, when the generals are talking about innovation, they're talking about an asymmetric advantage. Okay. When the soldiers or the airmen are talking about um, innovation, they're talking about reducing the suck. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> right. How, how do I reduce the suck of my daily job? Right. How, how can I do my daily job better? Right. And so sometimes they're both talking about innovation, but they're actually not talking about the same thing because the generals about one out of every thousand of these Mm -hmm. result in an asymmetric advantage. Right. And so I believe the future of innovation is how do you, how do you solve the day to day Mm -hmm. innovation issues while also looking at what's revolutionary, what's that strategic lip, what's that asymmetric advantage. And so I think we're going to see that, I mean, you know, easy ones are AI, right? Uh, more complex ones are, you know, quantum, right? We have a company that's coming on, it's looking at 
you know, uh, reinventing, you know, electric motors, right? So, hey, can we go to, you know, you know, carbon friendly, uh, you know, elect electric systems instead of combustion systems and drive down fuel costs. So, you know, I think as we look as, you know, robotics and AI and um, all these uh, great themes, I think um, they're going to transform um, the way we approach and the way that we um, do business. Um, at the end of the day, it's going to be a mix, right? It's going to be ultimately how good are we at adopting machine human teaming? Absolutely. Right. And so I actually believe that that is the, that is the fundamental question uh, for not only the DOD, but for humanity in the next uh, decade or two. And that it really underlines your, your, you know, block of ice analogy with, with asymmetric advantages and then just producing the suck. Not every innovation has to be a moonshot. Some of them have to just make life easier, process easier. And there's a, a lot of opportunity there as well. Um, well, this, is, this has really been an interesting conversation. I always wish we had more time. Um, we still have a few minutes and I'd love to hear, you know, speaking from experience and, and doing what you're doing at the outpost, what advice would you have for, for companies that, that want to make government innovation part of their portfolio going forward? Um, and maybe we can leave it at that with any other final thoughts you have. That's great. I mean, I think there's two parts of this equation and we love helping with both um, here at the outpost. Um, we got an amazing team. Some people with, you know, civilian commercial background have done amazing things. Some people from special operations and, and all kinds of walks of military life. And so the question fundamentally comes down to how do you think about solving the government side of the equation, right? What's, what's the problem we're trying to solve? Um, how do we pull things together in kind of, because a lot of times they're looking for a capability, right? And it's not just one technology that solves it. So how do we mash up a few technologies to kind of make it make sense? But how do we create a, an open and iterative process that we're constantly learning as the government? So government stakeholders who have a big theme or problem out there, um, you know, bring it to the table um, and let's hack on it. So, so we love doing that. Um, for the companies out there, and we have clients that are startups all the way up to multi-billion dollar corporations, um, everyone has a different problem set, right? It might be, um, how do we get product market fit for the government, right? market or how do we reach uh, you know a certain commercial client you know UPS or FedEx we want to kind of get after that or something unique like the NFL and so we help companies basically not only do that but do the execution piece right ideas are great how do you execute how do you bang in uh, doors how do you knock on windows to actually get to the places you need to be to drive revenue so we love doing deals and driving revenue on the commercial side we love solving government problems and we think at the intersection of that is where the real magic happens. And, and we call it the unintentional of intentional. We're very intentional in our process into creating collisions, into solving problems. And what we found is all this unintentional great stuff happens. It might be two clients in our ecosystem get together and they wind up doing a deal or merging their technology. Um, and so we see things pop up like that. Um, and and once, once you kind of see those things, uh, you know the activity is on the right right track. So, Frank, I really appreciate the the time today. I'm sorry uh, we don't have more time together, um, but uh, look forward to uh, uh, look forward to seeing your uh, your other podcasts and and uh, honored and humbled to be part of your uh, public sector heroes 
um, segment. Thank you so we much. We appreciate having you. Absolutely. Dave Harden, CEO of the Outpost. We can have you back. We can do a, a maybe a, a sequel to this. Um, so we should put that on our, on our roadmap, but we will drop some links in the story notes if people want to learn a little bit more about the pod, uh, the, the outpost. So check those. And, uh, we appreciate you for doing what you're doing to, to make government innovation a little bit more digestible on both sides. Um, thanks a lot. And here's to a, a great 2021. Amazing. Yeah. Thanks Frank. Uh, cheers and happy 2021. And, uh, thanks for all you do and uh, keep getting the word out and, and sharing great uh, insights from, uh, from folks out there. So um, appreciate what you do. You got it. Thanks everybody right. for listening. That's another episode of the Public Sector Heroes podcast, and we'll see you next time.